thanks for coming. It's great to see everyone. Uh, it was an eventful show, uh, and it's great to see you all again. Can I uh, start taking questions? Great to see you. Uh, well, uh, actually, I, I just, Raf just walked me in. I think uh, we're sharing more information about it. Uh, I think we have, I think a lot of people may have guessed. Some there were some leaks, uh, but as to that point, uh, you know, but, but at least before I leave tonight, I'll try to uh, try to answer your question. Raf, I, I got asked about Revolution. We were uh, people. There's some, a lot of people are uh, pushing and asking about it. Uh, I feel like now could be a good time, but I don't know. I mean, we're waiting, waiting a little bit to announce Revolution. I think more where that is, as I understand it. Yeah, we uh, we, we have a venue booked. Uh, it's um, it's going to be in the Bay Area, Chase Center. It'll be uh, on March fifth, Sunday, March fifth. Tickets go on sale December 9th. So we'll have a three uh, three show set in the Bay Area. Two shows in the Cow Palace on Wednesday, uh, March first. Dynamite March 3rd, Friday with uh, Rampage. Then we'll move uh, a couple miles up the road. Yeah, it's good timing to come in and, uh, and, and hit that point. And uh, now that we're following up uh, after full gear, but I think uh, we, you know we've also got Dynamite and Rampage we're trying to tr promote, let, let off with announcements about those being out on the West Coast. And then uh, this is gonna be great. I think Chase Center is a great venue for us. And, uh, be a really, really great revolution. It's the first time out there. I think uh, a couple places had already reported it a while ago that it was, but it, uh, it's nice to confirm it officially. Thanks, man. All the times they are a changing. You wait your turn, baby. People pay to see me, not you. Let's talk, shall we? AEW is now destination television once again. The ship has been steered properly once again. This belt is now the most important belt in this entire sport. And it states the three letters. And it damn sure ain't AEW. I know for a motherfucking fact it ain't MOX. It's MJF. God damn you people are fucking dumb, man. No offense. No offense. You had sympathy for the devil? What are you, fucking stupid? You morons bit on every single word I had to say this past couple of months, huh? I want to earn it. I want to fuck that. I deserve it, because I'm the best wrestler in the fucking world. And every single one of you know it. On the microphone, in the ring, nobody can touch me. That's a fact. Nobody is on my level. And then, to think you guys still believe me when I put over this motherfucker this past Wednesday? Grow the fuck up. No offense. Grow up. Now let's talk a little bit, huh? Uh, MJF, what's going on with you and Regal? You know, we're all really interested. What's going on? How'd that link up start? You think I'm gonna tell you dumb motherfuckers? Huh? With 70,000 fucking hardcore marks watching at home jerking off in their grandma's basement? Huh? To my velvet voice? You think I give a shit? No, if you want to know anything about the most important man in professional wrestling, you got to tune in to the MJF show. That's every Wednesday on TBS. 
you know damn well that is now Destination TV. Now, here's what's gonna fucking happen, okay? I'm gonna take a shower. I'm gonna get all of Moxie's disgusting hepatitis A through Z off of me. And then, in the morning, I'm gonna do what nobody else on the roster does because I'm the only real fucking star here. I'm gonna hop on a jet and I'm gonna go to my goddamn movie set. Anybody got any questions? Huh? Just kidding. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Champs fucking out, baby! Alright. We can continue uh, the scrum now. Mandy, uh, we were gonna have uh, some more questions and then bring in some of the other people from the pay-per-view. Hi, Tony. Hey. Good Ray to see you, Brain. Uh, it looks uh, it looks very positive off the pre-show buys uh, during the pay-per-view. I wasn't tracking the buys as much, but it looks very similar to the very recent pay-per-views. Um, they've been pretty stable lately in a good range, and I think it would be very similar to the yeah. I, I mean that was probably not far off. I, I but it, that was the preliminary buys, so uh, it could be higher, it could be lower, but I definitely think. Uh, Similar to what we've seen from the other shows this year, which is a really uh, good number. That's uh, you know, uh, I'd say the last few shows were in the range of about 140,000, and uh, I think you know this could be there or better. Hey, Mike. Well, um, it's a great question. I think there's some really great talents from DDT that, um, you know, particularly could be involved. In, in the case of Takashi, he's somebody who's actually on the AEW roster. Other people, we have visa uh, reciprocity where people from DDT are allowed to come over. So I think potentially you could see it pretty often. And with Takeshi and Nakayama, we saw last night on Rampage, they make a great tag team too. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely open to doing it in the future on TV or again, like we did this weekend at a pay per view event. Hi, Tony. Liam Cranley, comicbook.com. We saw, obviously, MJF walk away with the world title in the main event. We saw Jamie Hayter walk away with the interim women's title uh, earlier in the night. We also saw the acclaimed retain their tag titles. Uh, you could argue that these three acts are three of the biggest homegrown talents. Uh, you've had in AEW. Do you look at Full Gear, even just a couple minutes removed, as kind of a tide-turning pay-per-view in terms of the emphasis you're putting on your talent? Um, well, I definitely think going in, we, we saw that Full Gear was a show where a lot of the homegrown talent were taking on talent that had been established elsewhere. We had wrestlers that had come to AEW and really made their name on AEW TV, taking on a lot of people who had experience and worldwide television and had come in and already made a name for themselves. And uh, I think in a lot of those cases, we saw a lot of the AEW people who were homegrown people prevailed, but a lot of the other people are very much AEW people too. And I think in some cases, people that were here from the beginning are people that uh, came along the way. So it's it's cool because I think there was a balance to it where it wasn't all just a, you know homegrown AEW people necessarily against 
established stars that arrived in AEW as free agents. Some, in some cases, it was people who arrived maybe this year, but in some cases, it's people who were here from the very beginning, but had made a big name for themselves. So uh, I thought it was really cool because you saw a lot of the uh, homegrown AEW talent, people who established themselves for the first time on AWTV, and in some cases worked their way up from AEW Dark up to get on AWTV. So uh, that was really cool, but also a lot of those established big names had a great night too, and you saw Chris Jericho and Samoa Joe and Soraya and a lot of established stars really come through. And it was great in some of the homegrown versus homegrown matches, like Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus or Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose, to have uh, you know great matches like that along the card too. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Everybody loves the acclaim. Hey, let's go. Hey, what's up, man? I thought this was um, this was a fun thing to bring. Sorry, I'm yeah, no, no, serious. This is a fun thing to bring because uh, they have these up backstage in the hallway to, uh, I guess, make us feel at home. And this is one of the last times we were here at Prudential Center, and we went from this an off-air segment yelling at Tony. <laughs> to the semi-main event. We are the best tag team in the world. We are the people's choice because everyone loves the acclaim. What else, the world's favorite tag team? Oh, world's favorite tag team, that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, Best tag team alive. All right guys, so 10 minutes here. First question here. Oh no. Hello, this is for me. Uh, Josh oh. Martinez, is he 100? Hi Josh. Radio. What up, what up? Uh, you two gentlemen are from the area, Anthony specifically you from the Jersey area. How? much more special was tonight compared to all the other nights you guys have participated in the ring? I think any night's special in the ring, but I'm from 10 minutes away from here, Nutley, New Jersey. I had family, I had friends here. Can't get any better than that, especially defending the title, taking home a win. Every moment that I get to have, especially with Max, is, is very, very, very special. And I know I had a lot of people from my town as well. Um, it's a really cool thing when you get to win and you get to look up and you see your dad cheering. You know, and you get to see your family there. It's really special. It's great, especially um, watching Max win the world title tonight. A special, we're very close. Some of you may know. Pat Buck, right there. The guy who trained me and Anthony and Max. Um, to watch all that with that much of a connection especially locally, create a pro in New Jersey and in New York. That's where we trained. That's what made us the best wrestlers alive. Um, so it was, it was beautiful to have that here. Beautiful to have it every week now um, because we are the best wrestling school and the best talent is here in the Northeast. I, I think we proved that tonight, semi-main event and main event. It's been a wild, wild ride, i tell you that. Um, Max and I and, uh, and Billy, we've built a very, very special connection with the audience. It's something that... Where is he? I, where is Billy? <laughs> he should be here. Yeah, Billy, Billy's, Billy's as big a part of this as, as anybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, we he didn't want to be out there this time. I guess 
everyone didn't want him out there. This well, time. I think I mean given uh, the I matches, I thought it made sense given uh, you know that it's really unfolded with Swerve and Billy getting into it, which ended up he broke loose and then they ended up yeah. getting into it anyway. But but I, I think we we proved ourselves that we won that match uh, unequivocally by ourselves. Uh, I mean. Swerve and Keith, they have to figure out their problems. That's what happens when you wrestle the acclaimed. You start getting mad at each other. You don't know what the problem is. Wow, these guys have insulted me in ways I haven't been insulted before. Uh, these guys are great wrestlers. Wow, I thought they were just mic guys. I thought they were just body guys. No, we are pro wrestlers for sure. We are the best pro wrestlers. That's all I want to get across today. Uh, how do we feel? Uh, I feel great. I feel a lot more confident than I did going into that first match. Uh, the fans carried the first match. Uh, the second match, I think, was just kind of a whirlwind. And then this one, we knew it was on us. And uh, I feel way more confident now as a wrestler, uh, on the microphone, in front of the people. The fact that we have numbers to back it up, spiking ratings, selling merch, our t-shirt sold out today, our foam fingers sold out today, again. So, you know what? Uh, Check the numbers, check with us, check with Tony. Acclaimed is at the top. World's it's favorite tag team. Pretty much a fact of life at this point that everyone loves the Acclaimed. That's right. My turn. Um, Will Washington, uh, Fightful. Um, so, <laughs> yes. This past week on Dynamite, you debuted a new track uh, called Hand for a Hand. I, I just want to read you a lyric from that song. You said, uh, quote, man, you got your family up in the dirt sheets, fake stories talking about how esteemed you are. Uh, so just as a personal question, what's up? Only a snake would align with the media. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm up here and you're over there. I will not align with the media and swerve. Great wrestler. Um, mogul, maybe, maybe not. Um, but one thing that I don't do is plant stories in the media to say that I'm great. I don't have family in the media to say that I'm great. Me and Anthony, we got here by ourselves. Uh, we got here on uh, hard work. And you know what? People love us because we're us, not because anybody says to love us. Sorry, you didn't answer the question. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, the question was just, what's up? Well, with, with you, yes. You're a media member, the United States media. Not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Last question? Tag Team titles forever. We are the forever champs. You want to go out there every single week, you're going to keep kicking ass, you're going to keep scissoring the hell out of everybody that we see, and we want to make sure that we become the best tag team ever. We're the best tag team alive, but we're going to be the best tag team ever. 
the history of AEW and the history of professional wrestling. Since this is the last question, I want to take one more second to thank every single fan that has supported us, that helped elevate us to get to this point. I want to thank Pat Buck, like uh, Max said earlier, for training us from the very, very beginning and, and preparing us with the tools that we need to even be prepared for all these opportunities. And I want to thank Tony Khan because there weren't very many people that believed in us when we first got here. This man believed in us in the very, very start since we stepped foot in this company. And um, I hope that we've made you proud. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, you have. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, let's get photocopy it. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that, Will. Uh, okay. our, oh, hey. Well, welcome Hello. to the stage. Another big winner. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Boston. So How are you doing? Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. I haven't done these this yet, this so I'm really excited. To to, uh, get to, yeah, you're all very excited. I can see that. Yeah. Very quiet. Okay. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Soraya, Nick Houseman, Wrestling Inc. Um, thank you so much for the time. Uh, obviously, huge night for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> physically, how are you feeling after returning to action? And how often can we expect to see you wrestling going forward? Yeah, so um, I feel fantastic. And the wonderful thing about, I mean, Tony really takes care of us. Like, down to a T, he was like, I'm not going to let you get back in the ring until we, like, you're officially, officially, like, 100% ready to go. And I was like, I promise you, I've got this. Like, I promise you. So, you know, we did... MRIs, we did CT scans, we did x-rays, and my neck was just 100% ready to go. And I, even I was shocked. I was like, well, I didn't realize it'd be 100%, but, you know, but we, we got there. And the thing is, is that, again, with Tony, too, is like he's very understanding when it comes to, you know, injuries and stuff like that. So he said, you know, I, I want to take it slow coming back. I don't want to rush back in like I did, you know, the last time where it's just a lot of work straight away. And he was just so understanding. Like, I really appreciate him. So... Yeah, so I'm happy that I got to do this in AEW, too. I've been wanting to come here for a long time, so I feel like just very, very cool that I got to do that here today. Yeah. Hey, Ray, I found out proud from TV Sports Montreal. How much training did you have time to do, especially bumping since October 31st and tonight? Yeah, yeah, so luckily, you know, um, I got to go home to the UK recently, and we did some training there, which was, I, I mean, training with my family is always a plus, that's where I started. And I got to go to the San Dino Bros Ring in California. Um, Jungle Boy actually offered me his ring too, but I didn't get to go, go around there, but I will be going back there and asking him to, and to use his ring and stuff. So I did a lot of training. Um, I, didn't try to, I didn't try and do like 100% like bumping around until I knew my neck was like 100% okay. And then it was like an everyday thing. Like I even had a signing and I had to cancel it. So I was like, no, I have to focus on this. You know, I was 100% was like in on this. So it did take a lot, and I know, like, even in the match today, like, I am rusty. It's been five years, and I try to give 110%, you know, and I feel like I, I did do that. I gave as much as I could. And, you know, working with Britt is, she's just, she's a star. You know, she's an absolute star. She helped me a lot. And so, yeah, um, at, long story short, I had to work out a lot, and I'm going to continue to do so. <laughs> yeah. WrestleZone.com. Uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, in preparation, obviously, really going into the match and training. Are there any sort of protocols you have to follow 
following a match just to you know see where your neck and general health is at afterwards yeah. to kind of look towards the next one? Yeah, so the doctors are fantastic here too. Again, um, they were also the ones that was like, we need to go to outside doctors too, just to like be 100% ready to go. So before the match, they worked on my neck, they heated it, they put those pads on, those electric pad things, and then they doing all the pressure point stuff, and they said, we'll do this every single time that you were here, even when you're not wrestling, you know. And then afterwards, they, they came up and checked on me to make sure I was okay. You know, um, they you know, massaged it a little bit. They felt it around just to make sure everything was good. I was like, I promise you guys, I'm so good. But everyone is just so, uh, you know, overly cautious. They want to be, but just know I'm 100% fantastic. And I feel, I feel good, so I'm, so I'm happy. Hi. Sorry, I just wanted to know how you felt uh, coming out of Wednesday's show with the segment with you and Britt, mm -hmm. and coming in with this crowd tonight, did you feel the story was going to be, it's Soraya's comeback match, or that it, here's the outsider coming in to take on one of the big, you know, yeah. homegrown stars? How did you feel coming in? Yeah. Tonight? So, you know, Britt, again, was the first ever signee here in AEW. Like, she has built this division, so I totally understand that. And yeah, I was an outsider coming in, but you know, it was it was just more between like me and Brit. It was just such a special moment for, for like us two. And um, yeah, I just felt like <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm you know I, I'm stepping out of character a little bit here, but I just feel like you know with Brit, she really carried me around this whole thing. Like truly, like she's an absolute pro. Like I was rusty when it came to promos and stuff like that, and I felt like we delivered a really good in-ring promo. And then uh, the next week, you know, she just did this beautiful baby face bro. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be tough. That's why I was just like, with me and her, there's no real heel on face. You just cheer for who you want to cheer for. You either cheer for the homegrown talent or you cheer for the girl that comes back from a career-ending injury, you know? Mike? Hi, I'm Mike Johnson, PWInsider.com. Hello. Um, obviously you've been through a lot in the last couple of years. I wanna ask you emotionally, what was that whirlwind like from the time you walked out to the time you knew the match was done and you were feeling yeah. physically good? By the time I was going, I was like, thank gosh, <laughs> you know, like, but no, walking out, I was, this is the most nervous I've ever been in my career, because I want to give 100% and I know, like, in AEW, like, I felt like I had to step up my wrestling game, you know, because the, like, I mean, wrestlers, like, everywhere are fantastic, but I feel like the caliber of AEW women's wrestling is just so high, and I'm like, man, like, you know, we have Tony, and we have, you know, Jamie Hayter on, on the show today, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, please go before them, you know, because <laughs> they're just so good. They're so fun. All the women here are so good. So yeah, I had a lot of emotions like, okay. And also I feel like a there was a lot of eyes on the match too, because a lot of eyes, like even non-wrestling fans, you know? And so there, there was just a lot of focus on, on this show. And I was like, man, I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to let Tony down. You know, he's given me this opportunity and I'm so happy, but yeah, but we, we got through it. And once we got done, I was like, okay, I can like relax for a second, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just over the moon. I can't believe I have my first night back. I never thought this would happen in my life. Thank you. Yeah. Last question. It's Rick John Alba Podcast Team. Uh, the essence of pro wrestling is when the fans feel with the performers, and the performers feel the fans. Yeah. In return, and that was something that you didn't get to experience for a long time and it looked yeah, like oh my gosh, yeah. you might never feel that again so how meaningful was that for you to have that opportunity to form that connection once more 
to have that adrenaline rush again, that feels fantastic. You always miss that. So I'm saying wrestlers never retire because we miss that adrenaline rush too much. So yeah, like after being out for like five years and, and like I was sitting on my ass for like two years and I didn't want to be, you know, I wanted to do stuff, but I couldn't. So, you know, just, I mean, as soon as Tony gave me the call, he was just like, we're going to do this. And he got me so excited. And I was like, I haven't felt this way about wrestling in so long. Like, I'm really excited to get like, into, I'm really excited to come here and we're just, you know, all guns blazing was like uh, fantastic. And then to actually like get the clearance and just being like, what the heck? Like, what is happening? Like my dreams are coming true right now. This is fantastic. So it's definitely a whirlwind of emotion. I was extremely like, anxious the whole day today and like the whole like the last three weeks actually I've been like very very anxious you know I was nervous going into this promo in the ring and I was like I have to make up for the first promo I did because I felt like I didn't 100% deliver <laughs> so I had pressure with that one but then also with the match too so there was so many emotions but I can come out of it just being like I'm so happy with the way it turned out I'm really pleased last question Liam Hi, sir. Congrats on the return match tonight. Uh, this is kind of the debut uh, on a big stage for Soraya. You obviously yes. wrestled as Paige uh, in WWE. Uh, kind of talk to me about reintroducing yourself uh, to the mainstream audience inside the ring uh, while also bringing new elements uh, with, you know, your name now being Soraya. It feels so good to be myself. Like, that's so important is that, like, when I'm here, I don't feel like a product. I feel like... I I feel like me and I, like that's all I've wanted to feel like and I, I, like just having that freedom to be myself is so great I know that you know I'll start getting more character stuff out there eventually but right now I'm just like I'm excited to just be Soraya and just having my name out there and I'm surprised when I debuted so many people knew my name because I thought like as soon as my name popped up on the Titan Tron, I was just like no one's gonna know who the heck I am you know but they're there it was so receptive and the crowd was just absolutely ballistic and Man, it just it just feels good. And then when I uh, saw my name trending for the first time as Soraya, I was like so proud. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Soraya's trending. Yeah, it made me feel good. So um, thank you as well for letting me keep my name. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Soraya. Yeah, thank really you guys it. so much. Thank I really appreciate it. Thank you. And congratulations to Jamie Hader. First question. Jamie, hi, I'm Denise. I want to ask you now you're holding the interim AEW Women's World Champion. And given that the fact that the fans got so behind you and were just so excited to see this possibility, how do you feel about being champion and also how, how much the fans got behind you? Becoming the champion is extremely validating to myself because after working, like everybody works hard in wrestling. Every single wrestler that goes out there, they work hard, they sacrificed. But when it happens to you, it's almost a surreal moment because you never really think it's gonna happen. You never think you're gonna win a belt at a company. You never think you're gonna be signed to a company. You never think you're gonna achieve really anything. It's just a pipe dream. But I can't even put into words how I feel right now. It's if my wrestling career ended tomorrow, God forbid, 
I would be so incredibly happy with everything that I've achieved, and this is definitely the cherry on top of everything. Little Pritchard wrestles on. Uh, Tony was pretty vocal about how she felt about the interim title being attached. Uh, do you have any similar concerns? And to Tony, you know, you kind of said the other day that you're giving Thunder Rosa a chance to come back. Uh, is this something you're still considering, or you know, does it make it different now that you know Jamie's kind of has her own title right well, now? Well, it's, it's a new championship reign, absolutely, and uh, I, you know, have been evaluating that, and it's something we're you know, taken under consideration, certainly have been trying to give Thunder Rosa every opportunity to come back and defend the championship. It's been a few months now, and uh, when we get a better timeline for a return, I'll have to make a decision about whether uh, to continue with the interim or to make uh, the interim champion possibly uh, some kind of an opportunity to become the lineal champion. Thanks, Bill. trust I've earned. Wow. Um, it's kind of a hard one to answer, really, because I think it's just kind of, you're not thinking in your head, like, wow, I'm earning all this trust, and all this is happening. You just, you just kind of go with the flow. Like, I've been here for just over a year now, and I'd like to think that when I first came in, I'm completely different to how I am now, in every single way. So I think not only have I built trust in the company with myself, hopefully, with Tony, the women's division, but I built trust within myself to know that I am capable of doing this, and look what I did. Josh Martinez, iHeartRadio 100. Um, everyone dreams of becoming a champion when they get into wrestling. Was this feeling exactly what you imagined? Is it different? If so, how different is it? It is actually different. I always imagined myself when I was a kid, I'd be like, <laughs> like crying and it'll all be crazy, but I feel very relaxed. I feel zen. It just feels right, you know? Like you can't, I'm very chill. That's, that's it. I, I thought I would be feeling all these crazy emotions, but I'm like, yeah, I did it. And that's it. Nothing crazy, nothing over the top, no tears, no nothing. It's, like I said earlier, it's validating. So when you feel validated in something that you work very hard for, there's no better feeling than that. And it just really puts you at peace. So.
Wow. Um, me and Brit first met, and the first time we wrestled was in some dive bar in London in 2019. First time we met, wrestled, we were at Pro Wrestling Eve, had a really fun match, and from then we just kind of built this friendship after the first match. We really got on well, we clicked. Uh, she went back to America, I went over to Japan, we stayed in contact, and yeah, we just kind of built our friendship from there, and she is the reason I am at AEW. She's the whole reason I'm here. Like, she helped me so much, especially to get where I am today. So, having her as a rival for the championship, I completely welcome it. I don't think there's better rivals in the ring than friends or people that you're close to. I think that makes, makes better matches because there's more emotion behind it. If you just wrestle someone you don't really know or you don't have an emotional connection with, then it's just a wrestling match. But when you wrestle someone that you truly care about, everything's on the line. So I'm totally open to wrestling her anytime. And I would love it. I really would love to wrestle her again. It's been so many years and we've both got so much better. So please, anytime. <laughs> if she wants it. We can do it. There you go. Okay, last question. Last one. Will Washington, Fightful. Uh, so one of the words I've used to describe your rise um, a lot has been groundswelling. And part of that has to do with the fact that you've had one of the most organic rises um, that the AEW Women's Division has ever seen. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the pressure that kind of comes with? Because uh, in, in a lot of ways, the fans really got you here. The fans really decided Jamie Hayter was, was the people's choice. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the pressure uh, that you might be feeling as champ now to deliver on what the fans have been asking for? I'm definitely a, the kind of person that does the best under pressure. As much as I hate being under pressure, I like to not have stress or be anxious, but that's when I'm at my best. So being a champion, I really think this is gonna be an escalation of me improving in the ring, me wanting to and trying to elevate this women's division to what it can be and, and what it will be and what it is. It's only gonna keep growing and getting better. So I love every second already of it. I'm feeling the pressure already and I can't wait for it to continue. However long that is, however long I keep hold of this thing, I hope the pressure actually gets harder for me because that's when, that's when I'm going to do my best work. So, yeah, I, I can't really describe it. It's, it's a lot, but if you want to be a champion, you kind of have to just suck it up and deal with it. And that's what, exactly what I'm going to do. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Jamie Hayter. Latest guy. go, the winner of the first match on full oh, gear tonight. What's up, guys? Uh, what's up? My name is Josh Martinez of Z100 and iHeartRadio. Uh, immediately noticed your tights were a little different than normal. Looked like there was an homage to uh, 1997 Hell in a Cell, yes. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Bad Blood, and then there was a slingshot spot in the match as well. 
talk about that. Yeah, the, uh, there was a little bit of a psychological game kind of. Luchasaurus has told me a bunch of times that that's actually his favorite match um, from when he was a kid. So I thought, what a good way to stick it to him and where the tights can kick his ass. Dig it. <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. Um, it was so loud as I was going up. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be nuts. When I got up there, it was a little weird because the way he was positioned on the table, I wanted to land my hip on the table, but he was kind of, and I was like, oh, I'm either going over that way or coming a little this way. So, and, and it's weird. People are screaming at the top of their lungs, and it's like a split-second decision kind of. It felt really cool, though, um, to look around that huge building. This building's been really cool for me. We won the tag titles here. When was that? January? The first episode January. of Dynamite ever on TBS. Yeah, yeah. first week of January. January 5th. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool almost a year later to be in here uh, with that guy and to have a moment like that. So it was really neat. kind of started hearing that yesterday um, and then today it was confirmed uh, the only thing that really changed for me was I went to bed a little earlier I kind of try and do the same thing no matter where I am in the card and I just kind of go balls to the wall and try and steal the show but it was nice it was fun uh, the crowd's typically hottest right at the beginning so that that was cool We spoke earlier this week uh, and you talked about how you haven't had life in AEW without Luchasaurus, without Christian Cage. Uh, Two-part question. In this match, based on how the result ended up, do you feel like there's any sense of finality to your time with Christian and Luchasaurus? And secondly, have you thought about what AEW looks like completely on your own now? Um, I think at the moment there's kind of some finality. I know Christian still has some time before his arm is fully healed. I definitely am going to have to beat him. Um, so whenever that comes around, I'll be ready for that. But at the same time, I'm not really going to wait for this guy to get back. I don't, I don't know how long that's going to be. So it's going to be kind of exciting to see now what this looks like. Um, I feel done with Luchasaurus. We kind of put a close on that chapter. So this really is my first time sort of without him in any capacity, kind of just seeing what it looks like by myself. Thank you. Uh, hi, Jeff. Nick Hauser with Wrestling Inc. Uh, obviously, you competed tonight as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Uh, are, are we going to continue to hear you use that name? Are you going back to Jungle Boy? And do you feel you've kind of maybe outgrown the Jungle Boy persona after three years at the company of four, I guess? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I'm going back to just Jungle Boy. Um, that originally, like when I was on the Indies, kind of came about as a way to not use my real name and sort of stay away from my personal life. And then uh, Christian went and just like blew that out of the water. So at this point, there's no hiding it really. So I think I'm happy at the moment. Um, it may not be Jungle Boy forever, but we'll see. I don't know. Hey, people dig it. A little kid, whatever you like. Uh, Corey Z, Wrestling Observer. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of bizarre. I was uh, 10 years old, and my parents found a place for me to go train to be a wrestler because up to that point, uh, I just practiced all my wrestling on my sister. And they said, we'll support you if you want to do this, but you have to do it with other people who also want to do it. So they found this guy, Rick Drazen, um, who had a ring in his backyard, and there were classes. And I, I went to the kids' class, and I kind of, I was, I was better than all the kids there. And he said, I think you're good enough to be in the adult class. And I went to the adult class, and uh, it's funny, Miro was in it as well, but there was Luchasaurus. Um, I was better than him when I was 10. But uh, it's, it's kind of cool. I don't know. It's so, the world is so small kind of in that way. Um, and we kind of separated and reunite, reunited on the independence um, and then kind of got here like sort of at the same time and they got put together. And it's just, I don't know, for this to happen, like so many kind of random events needed to happen and they all did. And this happened, this was one of my favorite matches I've ever had. Um, so it's just really cool kind of to look back on that now and see how it all kind of took place. Washington with Fightful. Uh, so one of the loudest reactions we heard tonight uh, happened right about the time you were about an inch away from being at the top of the cage and then the place just exploded. Can you yeah. talk about that feeling? We've had uh, multiple guys have uh, moments at the top of the cage in AEW's history with I think the five cage matches that have taken place. Um, and I would say, just having been there for a few of them, that was one of the loudest I've heard. Can you talk about what was going through your mind when you were at the top of the cage right before you uh, made that elbow drop dive onto Luchasaurus? Yeah, it was cool. Um, when I set him up on the table, I just looked up there, and I knew everyone kind of knew what that would mean. And I, and I felt everyone was wanting it, um, and I already heard them start going nuts. And then it was just like every kind of step I took, my hands was getting louder and louder. And I was like, just smiling, like, this is crazy. I haven't even done the thing yet. And they're going nuts. Um, then I get up there and it's tall. And you're, there's like, there's not really anything to stand on. So it's a little like, oh shit, but I'm trying to also take in the moment kind of, and then I get to look at him, I go, dang, I actually have to jump on this guy now. Like it's kind of done already. Um, it was really cool. It was just cool to be able to stand up there and look around and just like feel that energy. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. Thanks, Jack. Last, last question. Uh, a bit of an extension of, on what Nick said about uh, how you're going to be addressed going forward. Um, I noticed that you know fans were chanting "Let's go, Jack," which were they? Yeah, I, uh, it, cool. I thought it was really cool because when you first got here, you were introduced as Jungle Boy. Two guys that really spoke up for you were Jim Ross and Chris Jericho, and said you know they see really big things for you in your future. You're sort of realizing that now, but what does it mean to you to have two guys like that speak up for you and sort of see that for you when you know you really hadn't been in front of a large audience at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning, I really wasn't ready for that. Um, I think Jim Ross was kind of the first one to ever put that out there, and I was like, oh, I mean, there's nothing I can say about it. Like, I'm not going to tell this guy not to. Um, I was really thankful that. I mean, really to Tony, I guess, that I was allowed to go out on TV and just be called Jungle Boy, and that was it. Like, I was like that's pretty cool that I can do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it kind of makes sense, like, as the characters progressed a little bit. Like, I used to pretend to eat bugs out of people's hair. So, like, I don't, I don't do that anymore. But um, I don't know. I'm happy with the progression of it. Um, 
I think it still kind of fits. It's a little more like a nickname now. It's not like as literal as Jungle Boy. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the way it's going. You know, who knows what it'll look like in the future. For a while, Jim got a little bit of flack online because he was calling you Jungle Jack Perry. And yeah. It's like, you know, he related it to the Brown Wolf or the Rock. And it's like, sort of like, yeah. Well, let's see where it goes. And, you know, you're, you're showing yeah. I mean, what the he first, saw. The first time I heard it, I was just watching the show back and I didn't know he was doing that. And I was like, oh, um, I guess that's it now. But, um, you know, I think I think he had the best interest in mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never really had a problem with it. It's not something I said myself, but uh, it was also cool for me at that point. I just been signing. Here's Jim Ross yelling my name over and over again. So that's like pretty neat. Um, but yeah, now looking back at it, uh, hats off to him. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Thanks. his point you know what like nature nature boy for example like nature like if you in and of itself like it's kind of it's not what it came to be in wrestling it like on paper question I think that right now we've had a great year for pay-per-view buys and af after full gear I think it's very safe to say and official that this will be the most pay-per-view buys we've ever had in a year now that's in addition you know aided by the fact we added an event this year and with Forbidden Door in partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling and that's been a really successful debut uh, but so far we've had a really strong year on pay-per-view and I think by continuing to deliver great events uh, you know, we've got a great tradition of people supporting really revolution, double or nothing. Now Forbidden Door is one for one, uh, all out and full gear. So it's, uh, you know, having that year over year success we've had uh, allows us to feel pretty good about the model we have going right now. But it's certainly always something that we're looking at for the future is, uh, you know, what is the future of delivering events, but certainly right now, it's been really successful for us. Thanks. Hi, Tony. Rick Holmes, News 12. Hey, um, we spoke uh, here at Ken, this week, right in front. Uh, we were talking a little bit about bringing up this uh, Northeast tour and coming to a close here at Prudential Center tonight. This building wasn't here 15 years ago. It has started to accumulate quite uh, an AW history here. The original Blood and Guts was going to be here before the pandemic world title change here tonight. When you think about Newark, New Jersey, you really don't think about a pro wrestling city. A lot of that was because we did not have a world-class building, which I think we do now. What are your thoughts as uh, AEW makes its mark, and why do you keep coming back to Prudential Center? I know we've got the Arthur Ashe shows, but Prudential Center for the indoor arena seems to be the one of choice. So talk to us a little bit about that and, and the history that's been here. Well, we've got a great fan base 
here uh, around Newark, New Jersey, and this building in particular has been home to some great matches in AEW, title changes. Uh, many of the titles have changed hands in the AEW either tonight or like Jungle Boy was saying, they won the World Tag Team Championship here too. And we had the first Dynamite in the history of TBS here in the Prudential Center. So certainly a lot of uh, you know big moments in AEW history have happened right here at Prudential Center. And like you said, I think it is a world-class venue. So by having something like that here, it's the perfect combination. You've got a really great fan base, a really great venue, and it you know has come together where we've been able to really have great success with AEW promoting events here at the Prudential Center. So I think I'd like to continue coming here for sure. Thanks for asking. I really enjoyed the other interview we did, by the way. Thank you. Hey, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Well, I think when we launched AEW, you know, one thing I said is I would, uh, you know, build a big roster and we kind of would have it be where I wasn't really committing to everybody necessarily working every single week or even uh, possibly working people in and out of the cards. And I think that's still something I'm committed to. So uh, there's people who aren't on every event, but I, I still would like to get involved. And, uh, you know, you've seen people take some sabbaticals, absences, breaks from AEW for various reasons, come back and get very involved. And I think that's still, for both those guys, potentially something that you could see for differing reasons. I think they're different. They're both apples and oranges in some ways, but I also think both of them are great, and I would you know, like to get both of them involved in the, in the future. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, well, I've been in contact with both of them. Uh, they're both doing very well. I think, again, they're different situations, but uh, for both of them, I think I'm optimistic we'd get both of them back, but I can't say when either of them would be exactly, but I do think they will both be uh, very well received, and there's a lot of fans looking forward to both of the Adams returning. I think Hangman Page and Adam Cole both would have a big reception upon their return, and the most important thing is they're both doing really well. Thanks, man. Well, I've always been able to take a long view on AEW content. Uh, you know, we have a lot of resources as a family, and it's a family business. So, uh, AEW was able to launch with a good upfront investment and then build big revenue uh, very quickly. And now we have really strong revenue streams that have allowed us uh, to probably, like I said, take the long view of how things play out in 2023, 2024. And I feel like the most important thing for AEW is that we have a really strong media partner with Warner Brothers Discovery, and that partnership has only gotten stronger as the merger happened. And Warner Brothers Discovery has given us more responsibility, 
more opportunities, at, uh, additional content, and uh, I think it's going to be good. I mean, not only have we probably got more opportunities to get more content in the WBD pipeline, but also uh, we've had more opportunities to have interconnectivity and integrations with their shows and things that are important to them. So I think we've become an important player. And, you know, like you alluded to, it's been a challenging time for some media properties, but I think for AEW, by having strong year-over-year -year ratings where we are up year-over-year year and, you know, for the entire year, and it's also been a positive quarter for Q4, the pay-per-view buys have been really strong. Uh, so I think uh, for AEW, while it is probably uh, for some companies that haven't had the kind of success that AEW has enjoyed in 2022, I could see why uh, it would be a concerning market for us. I'm actually really optimistic about it, but uh, that is a good question. Yeah, it's been, uh, they have come back and, uh, you know, been involved in the shows and uh, things they would do in the production of the show and also Kenny in the production of the video game, which we saw AW Fight Forever trailers this weekend. And uh, I think there's a lot of interest in that and uh, should be a, a great game. And I think there's, you know, a lot of interest building in it for good reason. It looks great. And for a company as young as AEW to have, a game and and be releasing it this young in our stage as a company is pretty exciting and we've hit a bunch of milestones like that and uh, it's great to have you know them back and be a part of the show on screen and off screen. It's tricky, man. Uh, it's it's a subjective thing. It's a good question because I think the fans want that transparency, and to some extent, I do think we offer a lot of transparency into what AEW does. So then, for various reasons, whether it's the quality of the show, legal reasons, or anything in between, which I know those are completely different ends of the spectrum, but like I said, anything in between, uh, it's a subjective call, it's a gut thing, and I try to, you know, give people good insight. I think the most important transparency is false advertising, and, you know, there is a lot of that in wrestling, and I really try to avoid it in AEW, like, you know, I don't really try to promote matches, like, or try to build up a big match if it's not going to happen, or if somebody's just going to run in and, and stop it from happening. Um, and once in a blue moon, I think that's okay, but as long as you don't build a reputation for bait and switch, but we really almost never do it, and it just as a rule of thumb, I kind of am almost phobic about that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, there's all different kinds of transparency, but there's a variety of reasons why you do and don't say the things you do and don't say about what happens on and off screen. But it's a fair enough question. Thanks, Dave. Hi, Tony. How's that product on TV sports in Montreal? Um, 
Montreal has been doing very well in terms of ticket sales with your competitor, not French TV in Montreal. So is Montreal not a market that is near the top of your list for 2023 as far as Canadian markets go? Uh, Montreal would be a great place to run AEW. It's definitely in consideration. I think Canada has got a great history of wrestling events. Montreal is a city with a great history of wrestling events, in particular a lot of big gates in Montreal uh, in the history of pro wrestling. And I think for AEW, like you said, uh, we have the French commentary. We have great Canadian stars. I think uh, now that we've been to Toronto and had a great experience and kind of gotten used to some of the things that it takes to run an international event from a logistics standpoint, moving the crew uh, back and forth. I think it's definitely something that you know we, we would be interested in. Thank you. Uh, what's up? Hey, hey, Josh. What up, what up? Uh, what's up, Ring of Honor? That's it. Okay, great. Well, uh, <laughs> so December 10th, final battle. Uh, well, it's gonna, it's, a, it's very interesting. So uh, now we have a big match coming up. I think you guys, if, following the pay-per-view. Some of you, I guess you're all here, so if you didn't see the backstage, I think you all saw it'll be Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii. Jericho's had a great reign of uh, defending against a bunch of people who've held titles in Ring of Honor, a lot of great wrestlers, and uh, I thought he continued that tonight, uh, defended against a couple of great former Ring of Honor champions in a great four-way match. And now he's defending against a former Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Tomohiro, Tomohiro Ishii, at uh, the Wintrust Arena this Wednesday night at Dynamite in Chicago. And the winner of that match will be in a really strong position going into final battle. Uh, I'm really excited about the final battle show. It's a special start time, so it's getting a chance to try something out. It's an experiment doing the show December 10th, 3 p.m. Uh, start time. Uh, is it 3 p.m. local? It's 4 p.m. Eastern? Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, we're in Dallas, that's right, yeah. 3 p.m., so yeah, that's, uh, we're in Eastern time now. So uh, it'll be 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 3 p.m. local start time for anybody who's gonna be at the show in Dallas, and uh, the zero hour will start at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. It'll be a little bit different, and uh, there's a good reasons, I think, to try it out, and it's, it's a, a great opportunity, and I think it'll be a great event, and we'll see who wins this big match, Jericho versus Ishii on Dynamite. I think it's a big match and Ishii had a title shot coming to him. Uh, you know, he won that uh, Eliminator to get a shot and wasn't able to compete at Forbidden Door. So uh, I thought it was very fitting. He comes in and as a former Ring of Honor World TV Champion, he's a perfect candidate to take advantage of uh, these opportunities to come in and challenge in what is the Ring of Jericho. Uh, and so that's pretty exciting, and we'll see what happens there going into final battle. So far, since I took over Ring of Honor, we've had two pay-per-view shows that have done really well, and they've been really good revenue. You know, uh, on a per-event basis, this is shaping up to be the best year in Ring of Honor's 20-year history for live events and pay-per-view, so that's fun. And uh, right now, I believe, uh, with Final battle, uh, you know, we can follow up on what we did with Death, Death Before Dishonor and Supercard of Honor and have another really good buy rate and, and sell a lot of tickets outside of AEW without cannibalizing AEW because I think we, you know, while we have had some of the matches on AEW, I think it's, you know, when you see matches like the one we had tonight with Chris Jericho, there were 10 matches on the pay per view. Uh, only one of them was for a Ring of Honor championship, and I thought it was one of the great matches on the show. And the video package highlighted why the lineage matters and a lot of great champions 
were involved in the match. Jerry Lynn, uh, one of the you know people backstage, a coach, a former Ring of Honor champion, and then the participants in the match, and a lot of other great names. And I would love to get a Ring of Honor TV show, uh, a weekly show, and uh, I'm still optimistic about doing that. But right now, we had to focus on Full Gear, uh, our AEW shows, and now with, a uh, with AEW going into uh, some really big events, heading into Chicago, Indianapolis, and then heading to Texas. Uh, I thought it was very fitting. At, uh, while a lot of the people that might potentially be involved could be in Texas, uh, we'll have a final battle, and it's going to be a great show. Thanks. Hi, Tony. Denise. So my question for you is, have you had any conversations with New Japan Pro Wrestling about AEW talent appearing at Wrestle Kingdom? And also, did you have that in mind while you were booking the Best of Seven series? Well, I have had conversations with them about it. Uh, I've been mindful of it when I've been doing all the dates and looking at everything around the Seattle show because, as you probably know, we have an AEW Dynamite event in Seattle on the night of the Tokyo Dome, January 4th, and then we're in Portland on the 6th, which is pretty close to the New Japan show on the 5th. So I do think uh, that week would be a bit of a challenge, so I have had good talks with them about it. As you saw, Rocky was actually here. So, um, yeah, I've had good conversations with them about that. And uh, I, I'm optimistic we'll be able to participate in some capacity on Wrestle Kingdom. But I do think a lot of the top AEW stars are going to have to stay here. It's important we keep all the big stars we can for AEW in Seattle. Thanks. Uh, Tony, Nick Hasman with Wrestling Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Um, I want to kind of piggyback off the Ring of Honor question a little bit. Uh, on the road to full gear and the build to the ROH title match, there was, of course, the booking of Colt Cabana that got a lot of attention. Uh, I was wondering if you could address uh, how you came to the decision to put Colt in that spot, and also if you could kind of clarify maybe once and for all, did CM Punk ever ask to have Colt Cabana move to Ring of Honor or not share the locker room with him? No, no, he never asked for that. He never asked for that. Um, I, you know, the first time it came up, I think you asked me that on a scrum call, and I wasn't looking at you face to face, and I really did was trying to, you know, it was before death, before dishonor, I think. He never asked me that, and uh, it was, uh, I could have probably addressed it then, and I just didn't comment on it because I didn't, I wanted to keep talking about the wrestling that was on the show because Colt Cabana was wrestling on the show. Right. And so, uh, and this, you weren't asking me specifically about the show, so I, I didn't answer that there, but I, uh, um, you know, no. And uh, then, uh, as far as the match with Chris in Baltimore, I thought it made a lot of sense because we had the, uh, you know, the Ring of Honor Championship Series, and we had talked about Chris Jericho's wrestling so many of the great names in Ring of Honor, and so, you know, when you talk about like great people who've held championships in Ring of Honor, we brought in Bandito, Dalton Castle, uh, a lot of great people. Tomohiro Ishii is a great former Ring of Honor World TV Champion, who I think is a match, like I was saying, I'm really excited for with Jericho. I think that could be a match, a Tokyo Dome caliber match. And when we've been booking the shows, I've been using Colt Cabana both as a coach and a wrestler in Ring of Honor. So I looked at the Ring of Honor roster, and Colt Cabana is a very logical challenger because not only has he held the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, but he's also somebody who's been wrestling in kind of the new Ring of Honor, the 2022 Ring of Honor, is undefeated. 
uh, and has won both of his matches, so I thought he'd be a very logical challenger for Chris, and it's also a good match. Do you so, understand how people drew that conclusion, though, that there was him coming back was somehow aligned? Yes, but he was wrestling in Ring of Honor, and then he wrestled for the Ring of Honor Championship, so if you look at the booking of it, and it's like he's 2-0 and in Ring of Honor, and he's wrestling Chris Jericho, who is the Ring of Honor Champion, and like when Cole Cabana has won at both uh, Supercard of Honor and Death Before Dishonor, and that's what I've been using him in, is Ring of Honor, then he's a former Ring of Honor Champion, he's a really logical person to challenge Chris, plus he's a very compelling babyface, and somebody the crowd gets behind, he's a really good wrestler, and so I thought it'd be a really good match, and I think it was a really good match. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Tony. Uh, Liam Crowley, comicbooks.com. I want to talk again about the Elite's return. Uh, they come out to Wayward Son. Uh, talk to me about the clearance process of uh, getting that song cleared. Is it going to just be a one-off? And we also saw reports uh, that they might have tried to trademark the name Wayward Sons. Was there ever any discussion about rebranding the Elite, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks? as maybe something else. No, we never talk about changing the name that like it wasn't like going to be a rebrand or anything. It wasn't going to be like a generation me situation <laughs> or anything. <laughs> I, like uh, I was a big fan of the Young Bucks and when they when they were generation me, I was thinking like, okay, I really liked the Young Bucks and Nigel McGuinness and when they were like generation me and Desmond Wolf, I was scratching my head. That's why like so many of the people I like think I think it's good when people come into AEW and keep their names for the most part. Um, and uh, with uh, the Wayward Son uh, trademark, no, I don't. I don't know about the trademark, but I do think uh, the song was a great idea. They asked me about licensing it, and you know, it's similar to trades in sports where it takes two willing parties, and sometimes you're like very happy to get a deal done. You're like, wow, that was really very pleasant, and like it was a good deal and a good trade for both teams, and you feel like good about the trade. Other times, they're very like brutal and painful and at the end of it you feel like you got dragged and uh, this was not one of those they were they were very nice uh, so the the um, really Kansas and uh, all the people we worked with were very nice about licensing it and uh, the elite asked me about the use of it and I thought it was a great idea and uh, I was really excited about the idea of the series the series I'm really excited about matches going forward and I think uh, after the really interesting finish uh, and uh, sort of controversial ending, I would say, to the match. I thought it was really appropriate to settle it and figure out who is the undisputed World Trios champions with a best of seven series. And I really couldn't imagine two better trios in the history of AEW to go out and have a best of seven. Real quick, is this a one off or this will be their team moving forward? Wayward Sons? Uh, I, I am very open to using it again. Uh, and they were very cool about us using it tonight so I'm uh, uh, I think there's a good chance we, we could use it again got it thank you thanks just a few more questions okay Go ahead yeah uh, Will Washington with Fightful um, so it's kind of a multi-layered question so in 2019 you ran four pay-per-views 2020 you ran four pay-per-views 2021 you ran four pay-per-views this year uh, in three weeks you will have completed eight pay-per-views you will have double the amount of pay-per-views you've booked in no, when you say you, you're talking Tony Khan, not AEW. Specifically talking Tony yes. Khan. Yes. So, um, I guess talking about that, do you feel comfortable at that point uh, with the amount of pay-per-views you're booking at this stage? Um, do you feel going into 2023, do you want to keep that load, or do you want to even well, do you mean? It? Do you mean me, against you mean me personally, not the, the AEW? Because AEW, I think, has done five pay-per-views. One, which was a collaboration that would need you know, I've run five AEW pay-per-views and three Ring of Honor pay-per-views, but I don't see them as necessarily, 
competing products. Like I think there there there's uh, synergies with them, and I'm even though I am working on eight pay per view shows. If you want, if you're asking me about my own personal capacity, I could talk. But but well, as far as like AEW, I think five is a really good number, and I think the, what we've done with Ring of Honor so far with the three has been really nice. Well, I mean, I know we're talking semantics here, but really, uh, at the moment, they're kind of one in the same product and that it's all existing on Dynamite, it's all existing on Rampage. Some is existing on, I mean, to be fair, it's a great point and, and to really take it to the next level, I think it's also fair to point out that there's been defenses on elevation and dark, you know, dark and elevation where, um, is, is it working? I don't know, do you have a follow-up or is it any uh, more? Well, so more so, I guess the... the no, 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 no yeah. you want to keep it, keep it, keep it. Okay, okay so, so <laughs> because, uh, no, it's a great point. So, um, because also, you know, there have been defenses on dark and elevation. So, um, to your point, uh, I don't think it's all one and the same product because where it differentiates is the pay-per-views and the builds of the pay-per-views. And I guess, you know, I would like to use other TV products, but you probably have seen a little bit more in terms of title defenses and uh, some of the segments on Dark and Elevation for Ring of Honor that you know, you wouldn't necessarily see as many of the AEW championship matches on Dark and Elevation as you have for Ring of Honor, but um, Mercedes and the Pure Champions, uh, Garcia and Yuta have both defended the title on Dark and Elevation. Claudio, as world champion, defended the title uh, on YouTube also. So, um, you know, I've been open to using the Dark and Elevation also uh, to build some of those matches, but I think, to your point, it has, some of it has existed on Dynamite and Rampage. Um, I think, in the, it would be great, and I'm optimistic about trying to get Ring of Honor weekly TV going, but really, like I said, the focus was really November 19th, today, full gear, and then going into Final Battle on December 10th. Uh, I think I think it's a really good number for the two companies, but I think it's good to like distinguish the two, because I think there's people that are big AEW fans that watch the TV, and Clearly, I think there's some people we've gotten interested in Ring of Honor that weren't buying the Ring of Honor shows before, but I don't think we've done it in a way where if you're an AEW fan, you don't have to buy the Ring of Honor shows, if that makes sense. Like, and we, it's not like I'm saying, uh, I, I'm trying to find, I, I really, uh, I value the question, but I've also tried to create a product where uh, a lot of the AEW-centric storylines are separate from the Ring of Honor storylines, if that makes sense. Like, for example, uh, most of what's happened on AEW TV has been focused around the major championships in Ring of Honor, and I think we've built uh, a lot of interest, in particular around the Ring of Honor World Championship, Chris Jericho. Samoa Joe, for example, tonight, uh, the Ring of Honor World TV Champion, he was competing for the TNT Championship. Now it's interesting because they are, to your point, one and the same. Now that, so that is, uh, creating a little bit more uh, uh, synergy between the two shows, having one person have both the belts. So I, I think that eight is a good number, but I also think it's important to distinguish because I don't, it's not, we're not doing eight pay-per-views, like AEW's doing five and Ring of Honor's doing three. And uh, I still see them as like separate properties, even though there's been matches between the two. For example, New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's been matches involving a lot of the New Japan wrestlers uh, and even New Japan Championships on AEW, and not even exclusively around Forbidden Door. We've done it other times too, as you know. So I think it's uh, more about companies working together, 
So I know it's a little bit different with Ring of Honor than it is with New Japan, but um, I see them as outside of the two biggest promotions in the world, which I think are AEW and WWE. I think there's also two really big promotions with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor that we partner with, and we've had championship matches from Lucha Libre, AAA, and other companies too. So, uh, but to your bigger question, I really like the eight, the way it's split. Okay, two more questions, Bill and then Mike Johnson. Uh, you've been asked a lot about the TV deal for Ring of Honor. It seems like that's you know very uncertain at this point. Have you given any consideration to maybe you know giving them a YouTube show or maybe giving like one of the Universal tapings instead of? Dark? I, I mean, just, there are things that are just to give them you know more of a consistent presence instead of balancing it on Dynamite and. I've definitely considered a lot of options, but I think it would be hasty when there are other options out there to like jump into something because it's a pretty valuable property. And even like, for example, like the pay-per-views, like, um, you know, for example, like to throw out a number like, which would be for an AEW pay-per-view, it's probably, uh, you know, 25% or so of what you might get for an AEW pay-per-view or less than 25% of some AEW pay-per-views. But say a number like 35,000, buys at like you know at the price point for ring of honor which is also a lower price point um then on the one hand for aw that's not that revenue but on the other hand it's not something i really see cannibalizing the aw pay-per-view product uh because the aw pay-per-view buys have been pretty stable while we've done the, the ring of honor pay-per-views so for the tv i really would like to get that going and i see it as a as a, as a weekly series but um because it's such a major leap I've been holding off on, because I, I mean, yeah, I could easily just do a YouTube show. Like, I mean, anybody to be, but I think like, I think it probably deserves something better. Than that. I want to clarify, I mean, just until you get there, not in place of it. I completely see that, but I think like it would be like going from, if just doing a YouTube show as a, as a placeholder, I think would be almost, probably less, it, it would be a trade-off because in some ways it would, they would be beneficial by not having some matches that could take away from other matches that would feature some people in AEW. But I also think a lot of the people from Ring of Honor that we featured, like the ch champions happen to be some of the biggest names in AEW, like Chris Jericho, Samoa Joe, FTR. So when those people have wrestled in matches, whether it was FTR, you know, around Forbidden Door with the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships or Chris Jericho doing the Ring of Jericho or Samoa Joe defending the TV title, Mercedes is just getting back healthy. So I think at times those have been uh, good to the show, but I also like try to keep a balance where it's not the whole show. Um, and you know, I think like I said tonight with ten matches on the pay per view, and there was one match that was a Ring of Honor Championship match. I thought that was a good balance. Thank you. Last question, Mike Uh, 
Uh, that's a great thought. Uh, I think, uh, in particular, um, you know, it's become a, a subject of conversation in recent days. Uh, I'm not sure what you know the future of that platform is, but I think it's uh, been a home to a lot of wrestling conversation, and it kind of aggregated a lot of the message board conversation that went on for a lot of years and a lot of message board people aggregated into one place on Twitter like um, and it combined a lot of the people people in this room I know from various message boards and chat rooms uh, that it put all of them in one place in a unique way and uh, I think it's you know still is home to a lot of that conversation so uh, you know we'll have to see but I mean there's uh, always been great homes and the wrestling people we've always seemed to all find each other so uh, but I think uh, certainly Twitter's been working the last several days so uh, um, I've been tweeting and it seems to be uh, working pretty well um, well that I uh, no I really appreciate it everybody uh, I, I don't uh, get a chance to see you all very often but I really appreciate everybody coming out I see a bunch of people you know, you know, I interact with on a pretty regular basis, and uh, you know, all of you coming out to cover our pay per view it means a lot. And I hope we gave you a good show. Um, is there anybody that didn't came here that did not get to ask a question today that would like to ask a question just before I leave? You have not asked a question. Hey, Tony, um, when we get more details on the That's a great question. Uh, I have not got the exact details on the date of that. I think all we've announced is that we're coming in 2023 and, and our first AW event in the UK is going to be in London. Uh, we're still working through some of the details. Like I alluded to before, we just actually did our first ever international event this year and it's pretty complicated, but in a good way, we're still a, a young company. So uh, we learned a lot by going to Canada and I think we can take that and uh, parlay it into uh, our first overseas trip and then also I think it can be really good revenue for the company like today was our fourth straight pay-per-view with over one million dollars in live ticket sales and it's the fifth event this year that we did that and we've never done it before this year it's a new uh, it's a new milestone and I think that's the kind of business we potentially could do in the UK which is pretty exciting uh, and uh, so we're not taking it lightly, but next year is definitely the plan and it's crazy because it, you know It's already mid to late November here. So uh, next year is right around the corner pretty soon. That's gonna be this year uh, Well, thank you so much for all being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks everyone. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.